0: This is the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast, presented by eCity Interactive. eCity creates websites, marketing campaigns, and magic for higher ed institutions, large and small. Every digital challenge has a solution. eCity's talented team of problem solvers will help you find yours. And now, here's your host, Stephen App. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast podcast. I am your host, Stephen App. Really cool show today. We have Tim Sijelski with us. He is the social media director of Marquette University. And honestly, for anyone who knows Tim, that is probably the least interesting part of Tim's life. Tim is a, a incredible beer runner. Um, and Tim, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a v- almost teammate of the infamous Dwayne Wade. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I guess, one of my claim to fames. Um, It was 18 years ago, almost 18 years ago, exactly, uh, this August. So I work at Marquette. I've been working at Marquette for 10 years, but I also went to undergrad at Marquette. And um, I arrived at the same time as Dwayne Wade, as luck would have it. And um, before classes even started, like, I don't know if you remember, um, at least it was in our campus, or at least for me, um, you know, we had kind of a big urban campus and you're kind of worried about where you're, where you're going to go to class on Monday morning, you know, like, um, and so they, they split you up into teams during orientation and send you on these scavenger hunts around campus. Um, so I was in a small group and, um, uh, happened to be paired, uh, with, with Dwayne Wade, <laughs> who I didn't know at the time. He was, you know, a recruit. he was a freshman like me. And so we were just talking and talking about basketball and he was wearing a basketball jersey. And, um, I, I'd been a huge, um, pickup basketball player, um, in high school and middle school. And that's just how I made friends. And so I getting to college, I'm like, you know, along the same lines, I'm like, well, this is how I'm going to make friends in college is like, I'm gonna join an intramural team. And we're going to, you know, um, these are gonna be my best friends for four years. <laughs> Didn't exactly work out like that, but you know, that's what you think when you're heading <laughs> in, uh, you're going to be the same person you were, you know, in high school and middle school. And so um, I was like, well, yeah, I'm putting together this uh, this this intramural team. Do you want to join my team? And he's like, well, I don't think coach is going to let me do that. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I'm on the team here, on the basketball team. And I was like, oh, um, yeah, you should probably just stick with that then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it worked out okay for him. It's funny when you're at a, a big school. So I came from Temple, and we had uh, – who is now the future – head basketball coach at Temple University, Aaron McKee would play pickup with us every once in a while. And, you know, here's a guy who, who hasn't played professional basketball in over a decade. And he was just whizzing passes by your head. There's (laughs) nothing like playing with a former professional to realize just how terrible you are at a sport.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I did end up playing lots of intramural, um, for four years and uh, played. I was an RA and so I played with my residents and we played in like, you know, the B League or whatever. So there was no elite uh, pickup for me and I certainly didn't have, um, you know, a future NBA teammate. Uh, but <laughs> when he won his first championship with the Heat, it was shortly after, you know, I think that was like 2006. So, um, you know, I remember texting my friends from college and being like, we could have been great together, you know, just if he had joined my intramural team rather than teamed up with Shaq on the heat and won an NBA championship, it could have been a different story, but it's my claim to fame. And the funny thing is like, as I um, you know, I've worked here now I've, I've, I've met him again. Um, I did not bring up the story with him. I met him, you know, briefly in, in alumni events and I wasn't going to, um, (laughs) wasn't going to bore him with that story. Uh, But I have met his sister um, who's the head of his foundation? and she's she's pretty involved with some initiatives here at Marquette. So the first time I met his sister, I told her that story, and she just cracked up. I love it.
0: Well, hey, you know, let's talk about uh, some things that did come to fruition at Marquette for you. And, you know we're we're talking about podcasting today. And we've talked about podcasting once before on this show. But, you know, Tim, you've got a really cool thing going at Marquette with your podcasting, and that you're not just doing one show, which is where a lot of institutions stop. You know, you have three separate podcasts, each with their own audiences and goals. Um, you know, I wonder as we kind of kick off the show today, if you could just give our listeners a, a brief overview of these three distinct podcasts that you have at Marquette.
1: Sure. Um, so, you know, I like to kind of describe it. We have a, a podcast for the president, a podcast for the provost, and a podcast for the people. Um, so we we have our president of Marquette, uh, who previously, in a, when he was a different institution had a radio show. Uh, so he was a natural fit. He want, he actually, um, wanted to have some continuation of a radio show. Um, and what we found was we could just do it in house and it was actually much cheaper to produce and much easier. you don't have to go to a studio. You could, have a lot more control over it. So we decided to set up a podcast that was like his radio show. And that podcast is called Marquette in Milwaukee. And because our president, President Lovell, is so external, um, externally involved with so many different community partners, um, we will have shows where uh, we have guests on who do different initiatives with him. Um, so for example, we had a tourism show. And so uh, we partnered with Visit Milwaukee, the tourism bureau here, and we had alums who are involved in the tourism industry in some way. So we had um, a, an authentic German pretzel maker who's an M- who actually has an MBA degree from Marquette. Um, and he talks about how he he's starting this company um, is kind of like the longest MBA uh, coursework ever. Uh, and then someone who started his own brewery after working in admissions here and getting his degree and studying abroad, also in Germany. So yeah, there's, there was a very dramatic um, uh, tourism-themed show. But things like that where you can highlight you know something you don't get a chance to, to talk about every day. And the fact that Marquette has these partnerships in the community and relationships in the community. So that's one. Uh, and then the other one, or one of the other ones, is the provost's podcast called Illuminating Intellect, which is about research. So our provost, Dan Myers, interviews different faculty. Um, and you really get to talk about research in depth in a way that uh, you know again, when you're looking at social media, you're scrolling through, you, you can't really go in depth on shock physics uh, or the science of overeating uh, or ancient history. Um, so some you know, pretty meaty topics that he can really uh, geek out about and talk to faculty about you know, why they do what they do. And the other side of that is also humanizing faculty. so not just the research, but why, why do they get into it and what are their hobbies and what are their pursuits. And one of the um, recent episodes, it was with uh, Dr. Jen Finn, who is a uh, a history history professor. Um, She just won a Young Scholar Award. Um, And then on top of that, six months ago, she donated a kidney to save her dad's life. Um, Holy smokes. Yeah, which would be impressive enough. But on top of that, six months later, she wins an Olympic distance triathlon. Huh. So it's an incredible story. So of course we talked about her research, uh, but we also had to talk about this, you know, significant um, personal uh, choice that she made. And it also so happens that we have a student athlete on the women's basketball team who is looking for a kidney donation right now for a rare disease that she has. Uh, So it really tied together a lot of different things that were happening at the university, Um, you know, not just research, but also like the human side of it. So that was something we could do, you know, when you're recording, A longer podcast that you can't just do in a typical social media post. Um, So that's Illuminating Intellect, that's the one in research, and then the the third podcast uh, is just called the We Are Marquette podcast, Um, and that's one I started last summer, and that's literally everything else. Um, And We Are Marquette is a chant that we say at basketball games. It's kind of a a tagline here. Um, So this is the opportunity to just tell. The story behind the words "We Are Marquette." What do we mean by "We Are Marquette"? And so, I've I've um, interviewed people I know here on campus that I've had a chance now to sit down, you know, for an hour and really hear their personal stories and what brought them here. Um, I've interviewed former students. Um, uh, one of one of the I think more powerful episodes uh, was a student of mine who was in my media writing class, and for that class, I have them write create a publication on a topic of their choosing for um for their final project and um in her case she talked about her own childhood cancer and how she uh she survived it but it was so hard on her her parents and her family and so now she gives back at Marquette as um as a as an organizer for dance marathon uh which which raises money for children's hospital here in Milwaukee and um, so I just asked her, I was like, this is such a great story. It's such a powerful story. And I was literally in tears as I was reading your final project. Would you be comfortable coming in and recording your your story? And she, of course, said, yes, I want to get my story out there. And, um, you know, as she's telling your story again, she breaks down in tears and it's really hard to get through, And but she gets through because she wants people to hear it. And I think that's also the power of audio you know, where you can hear the emotion in someone's voice. You can hear how much it means to them. Uh, there's, there's things that you can do a podcast to tell a story that you can't do. Um, you know, in print, you can't do, uh, you know, as as a blogger through text, um, you can do a little bit through video, but I think there's something about having earbuds in your, in your head and, and hearing someone's personal story. And that was my goal with the, we are Marquette podcast, whereas you could, you could, um, you know, uh, really get the the personal side, the human side of um, the institutional stories. So those are the three podcasts, um, you know, Marquette and Milwaukee, Illuminate Intellect, and We Are Marquette. And what's kind of nice about having three podcasts is, for me, it gives a lot of variety and a lot of experimentation where I can try different techniques and try different, um, um, you know, approaches to tell different stories of the institution in different ways.
0: Yeah, they are so different. And you mentioned uh, the Marquette and Milwaukee podcast was something you started last summer which was the first podcast Tim, that you created and, and kind of what order did you, did you go in here with these three?
1: So the first was actually the illuminating intellect podcast. And and I didn't start that. It was, um, it was started by someone else in our office. And when he took on different responsibilities, he could no longer do that. And at that point I was already producing two other podcasts. So I was like, yeah, why not? I'll take on a third. Um, so that's actually the, it's the most recent to me, but it's the longest we've had in the office. Um, And, uh, but the, the Marquette in Milwaukee and the, we are Marquette when I started last summer. Um, and it, it was really a summer of experimentation. Um, I recorded a lot of things, uh, in the early episodes of the, we are Marquette podcast. I'm actually in it. You can hear me do we, I'm I'm interviewing someone. And then, um, literally one day I was set to record someone and didn't have two microphones set up. So, um, I, I, I listened to a lot of song exploder, um. podcasts where you basically just hear one person and and them telling their stories and it's also similar in some ways to story core so i told this the student i was like all right i'm just gonna sit off mic and ask you questions and just take myself out and and then you just tell your story and we're just gonna hear you and it actually happened to be um the student who sang uh in our christmas video so um she uh she sang joy to the world Um, and I think it was joy of the world. It was a Christmas song. (laughs) It's a while ago now. Um, so what I did is, is instead of having me in there, I just cut the song in between her, um, her like different stories and it's just hearing her. And when I heard that back in the edits, I was like, I like that way better. Maybe I just don't like hearing my own voice or whatever, but I think there's something very powerful about hearing just one person tell their own story rather than a conversation back and forth where it's like, it almost felt like they were speaking to you. Um, and so while the other ones are interview formats, this one was just them speaking to the listener almost. And I think it feels very, and that's the most personal podcast. So I think it also fit the format where you're just hearing that person tell their own story. And I think it works out.
0: I think it's interesting when I listen to you talk about experimentation, we had, uh, I mentioned we, we did one earlier episode in, in season one on podcasting with Jackie Vetrano, um, with this is Skidmore. And I thought that she came from a similar angle to what I'm hearing from you, which is very much about experimentation and almost, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, to offend you in any way, but almost winging it in a way and winging the format and, and just trying something new. D- is that accurate to you, Tim, in terms of your approach, at least for the We Are Marquette podcast, where you were just trying something new and, and seeing how it worked? And, and why were you comfortable with that approach, if that's correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that is a fair character characterization. I was uh, just winging it and, and intentionally. There was certainly a lot less winging it when it came to the president's podcast. That one uh, <laughs> involved more people and more planning and higher stakes. But uh, for, for one where I just started kind of my, on my own, the We Are Marquette one, it was intentional uh, experimentation. And part of that is um, podcasting is still an early, early stage Format And there is experimentation. If you listen to some of the formats now, you subscribe to a wide variety of podcasts, there is a lot of diversity in how they tell their stories. And and I think there can be more diversity rather than just, you know, two people with a mic. Um, And so I intentionally tried to see what worked best, what I liked hearing, and also what I liked hearing in other podcasts as I listened to a greater variety of them. And it, it reminded me in a lot of ways of the earlier days of social media when you did just try things to see what would work and experiment and the stakes were a little bit light, lower. It felt like for some of this, the, the stakes were lower and we could try things and, um, you know, I could always edit things or not release a podcast or not release an episode. There was some of the early ones that I recorded that I did not release. I was just like, you know, I just don't think this worked. I don't like, I don't think this format sounds natural enough. And so, you know, that's how you learn. <laughs> it's like, I teach a class on creativity here at Marquette. And of course, you can't just wing it all the time, experiment, and you're going to learn from that and then implement some of those things. But that was the joy of doing some of these things is I've been in this role now for a decade. So there are some things that just kind of become rote routine and trying things and seeing what worked and winging it to some degree felt very refreshing. And I have certainly learned in the process and have a lot more to learn as I continue.
0: Hey podcast listeners, if you're anything like me, you've likely found yourself listening to more and more podcasts lately. And if that's the case, you're not alone. Recent research shows that 26% of Americans now listen to podcasts monthly. That's higher than the percentage of Americans using Twitter. For many podcast consumers, the rise in podcast popularity has led to dreams of producing a branded podcast for their own institution. Unfortunately, the road to planning and producing a podcast isn't as straightforward as consuming one. Luckily, the team at eCity has just released a new eBook that details the aspects of podcasting that you need to consider before pressing the record button on your own show, as well as how to ask for help if you're struggling to get started. Grab the eBook now at eCityInteractive.com slash resources. That's eCityInteractive.com slash resources. And as always, thanks for listening. Tim, I mean, when you were thinking about starting this podcast, and, I, and I'm again, referring to the We Are Marquette podcast in particular. I, obviously, right, you're, you're trying new things, uh, seeing, what, seeing what works and what doesn't work. But what were some of those early questions that you almost needed to ask yourself about podcasting as you were thinking about not even just what's the format or from a creative angle, you know, what is the, the structure of the show, but even more logistically, I mean, what were some of those questions that you had to kind of ask yourself before you could launch this?
1: Part of it was some of the questions I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know what to ask. You know, it's like the, the unknown unknowns. Um, uh, with the, I'd say with the President's Podcast, which was one of the most intentional um, I had to do things like learn how to book a studio space, um, because the rest of it was just done in our like storage closet. <laughs> the president's podcast was not done in a storage closet. So it would be like, you know, how do you, how do you book multiple people who should be on there? How do you get a diversity of content and people who should be the host? Should there be a host? And of course, you know, one of the things I'm still learning is like, you know, how do you edit? How, what should be edited? What should be left in? Um, should there be a story arc? I'm going back to my own journalistic training. There's certain questions you do ask, like you know, who, what, when, where, why. What's timely? What stories you need to tell? Why should people care? And I fell back on I think a lot of those journalistic training questions of um, how do you tell a good story and how do you craft a good story. And then part of it comes down to just to, like training your ear and like how do you when you you know editing audio is very different than editing text, which I'm used to. You know, I can see in text when there's superfluous words and like when I need to cut things down and when I can just take this and move it to another place. But I, but I learned that, you know, audio is, is similar in that you, um, you know, you, you I start to make notes now when I'm recording, you know, I never did that before when I first started. Now I know I'm going to, I'm going to take notes. And, and when I'm producing stuff, I will just say, you know, at, you know, minute 36, trim this you know, not just that because there was a screw up, but because this could be tighter. There's some stuff in there that we don't need. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question because I, <laughs> I learned as I was going what questions to ask. But I'm, I'm grateful and I'm glad I have a journalism background because it's, it's the same, but it's different. You know, it's the same storytelling and story crafting and story planning, um, but it's in a different skill set and a different format that you almost different language you have to learn as you're going on.
0: Tim, you mentioned early on there were I think if I heard you correct right there were a couple episodes or, or snippets that you just didn't feel comfortable with. Um, were there are there any mistakes that you remember making in the early days of podcasting and and kind of what did you learn from that I guess. You know,
1: I, I the biggest thing is like just getting comfortable with it. Like I think Ira Glass talks about how like there was an, uh, something he he mentioned in this American Life episode about how much tape you have to record in order to sound natural, you know, before someone forgets that they're being recorded and there's a microphone in front of their face, which is very unnatural. And I think like, you know, like so a lot of times, like the beginning part, you just have to throw away, you know, it's almost <laughs> like you're planning to ask questions that are, are not going to get to the heart of things because you can't, you can't, you can't instantly build a rapport with someone that is going to sound how you want it to sound sometimes. So I think, I guess like, if this is a mistake or not, but like being comfortable with, it's not going to be perfect on the first take and the first couple questions. And it's going to take some, it's going to take, you know, you're going to record an hour to get 20 minutes or, you know, like it's okay to sit and, and continue to dive into a certain topic or, or do a detour until you get to what you want you know uh so i guess maybe like if i made some early mistakes it's trying to rush the recording or trying to make it sound perfect um or even like one of the things of like having you know the the benefit of taking me off the recording is i don't i didn't have to be like how do i craft a question that sounds great <laughs> when i'm recording because i could just ask a question you know and and it would be what i really wanted to hear and um and so, like, I guess, like, allowing more space to breathe has been what I've learned. And if I've made mistakes earlier on, it was to expect things to be more perfect or more refined or polished in the first iteration.
0: You know, Tim, you've got three podcasts that you're involved in it in various capacities, one of which you host, even if you don't appear in the published recording. From a comfort level, are you more comfortable now when you record? Do you feel like the process is a little bit easier for you? And was there a moment when you felt like you're in a groove or has it just really been gradual and organic?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's kind of been gradual and organic. Um, It's just like any other skill. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to try this is because your skills get, you know, they reach a plateau and then it gets kind of boring (laughs) in some ways when you're not learning something new. And, um, I'm going to reference this American life again, uh, because there was a great episode about a guy as a comedian from France who was like just massive in France. Like he was just a superstar and he decided he wanted to come to America and try to make it as a comedian. And, um, I don't know his name because he's not, you know, very popular in the U S but he started going to these clubs and just relearning comedy from the ground up because he was in, in one, a different language, but two, comedy is very different in America. What's funny is different than what's in France. So like the type of comedy that he had to adapt himself to was, um, was very different, and so they asked him, "Like, why are you doing this? You're a superstar in France. Like, you have a good life in Paris. Like, people know you, know you wherever you go." And he's like, "You know, it's like chewing a piece of gum for a while. Like, you don't have that fresh flavor." I wanted to, I wanted to get that bite into that fresh flavor, even if like, you know, it was it was it was difficult. Um, and so that's kind of what it felt like, and that's one of the reasons why I went into trying podcasting as a tool one you know obviously it's a great i think storytelling format to tell our stories but also just like for my own professional development is i wanted to not be good at it i wanted to like really struggle and not just do the same things over and over again and and i definitely did struggle when i first went on it would take me forever to edit edit a podcast and i would agonize over things and um this week i've already edited three podcasts i know what to do you know like it i know um how to like, I'm like, okay, well this section really should go here. Um, and man, it'd be good to end on this note as opposed to putting this as like the third question. And so I have these things that happen in my head automatically now, which didn't happen when it, when it it first started. So yes, like my comfort level has definitely gone up and that feels great to like, be able to be like, I know how to make this sound better. And I sent a, a, an edit to, a professor who, or, you know, a researcher who was in this. And she, she wrote back and was like, it's really interesting to hear how this sounds like we just had this conversation, but I know that it's all moved around. (laughs) She's (laughs) like, It it sounds very natural. I'm like, perfect. That's what I wanted. You know, I wanted this to sound like it was a seamless, uh, you know, conversation. Um, you know, even trimming, you know, little bits and pieces out of there to make it um, one idea flow better into the next. And so that, that's, that was really rewarding. Uh, but I know, like, I actually use a $20, you know, editing app that I got off the Mac store. And that's, that's not gonna, you know, if I really want to take it to the next level, I have to learn some more advanced editing software. And and so that's kind of my next challenge around I'm like, oh, I really should learn you know, I've tinkered around with GarageBand and Adobe Edition and that sort of thing. I was like, I should really learn that better so I can really take it to the next level. You know, I've, I've learned I've a better way to make narratives, but now I need to really learn the technology and make it shine, I think, is the next step.
0: Yeah, and you just bring up, you brought up technology and earlier when you were talking about the, the time that it took you to edit some of these shows early on, it makes me think about, right, investment and the amount of investment required you are in a unique position at Marquette because you have these three different shows, all with very different levels of investment. I wonder if you could talk me through what the level of investment is for We Are Marquette, uh, Marquette and Milwaukee, Illuminating Intellect. And and when I say investment, of course, you know, I do mean time and money because just because you're not spending money uh, doesn't mean you're not investing in these shows.
1: Yeah, the um, the only one that we're, you know, actively spending you know, like, um, a budget on as opposed to time is the Marquette and Milwaukee one, the president's one. And we are booking podcasts, studio space, um, as just opposed to our closet <laughs> space, um, downtown. So, you know, that's both for the president, but also like his partners that he's, you know, people who are on the show, um, to kind of give them a nice experience. We're hopefully going to be able to move that to our own college of communication, uh, which are in the middle of a huge remodel of their student media spaces mm-hmm. And so, I think it'd be really good to have students involved in the recording, the editing, and also just being on campus as opposed to, you know, um, off campus for these recordings. Um, so I think that will save us some money um, uh, when that opens. Hopefully, we'll be able to do it maybe in the spring, the fall. Think they're still going to be working on some of the the kinks of the remodel. We also do underwriting for that, uh, so. We, record, we we promote that on a local radio station, which underwrite uh, and with a, it's a nonprofit radio station. We do some underwriting uh, for Marquette Milwaukee. I think that's better spent on probably just advertising in podcasts or even Facebook ads. So I think we'll take a look at that um, maybe in the fall, um, switching over our ad spend there. Um, and then the others. We are not doing any active, you know, like Facebook ads or promotion that way. But it's, t- of course, time booking me with a, um, you know, someone for the We Are Marquette podcast or the Provost time, which is at, of course, at a premium. <laughs> so I get like, I get like four or five recording spots at a time. And so we'll, we'll do sometimes two episodes back to back, you know, uh, or three episodes a week and then just spread those out over time. And the other thing that I did this past spring was hire a new podcast intern for the first time. And, and also have had other interns just help with some of the initial edits, just cutting out the, the, cutting out my time in the We Are Marquette podcast. So uh, there is some of that, but we have, you know, a budget for interns in, in our office. And so rather than general interns or even social media interns, we had a dedicated intern for audio, uh, audio editing and interviewing and uh, had a graduate student do that. Um, I am looking for someone in the fall, uh, my graduate students leaving. Um, so if, if uh, any Marquette students who are listening to this and are proficient in editing and recording, um, please let me know.
0: Tim, with the, with the amount you mentioned, the right, the provost time is at a premium uh, versus maybe for, for, or we are Marquette. We're able to find individuals to join the show uh, with probably a little bit less difficulty from a scheduling standpoint. How is that impacting your publishing cadence? How often are you publishing? We are Marquette versus you know Marquette and Milwaukee. Where again, I mean, gosh, if the if the provost time is a, at a premium, the the president's time certainly is as well. So, you know, how what is the difference in publishing cadence for those three shows?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're still we're still definitely trying to figure it out. So the the Illuminate Intellect and the President's podcast those are um, they're not in any sort of timetable. Um, they're just basically when we get people in and. You know, summer is a good time to get in some extra recording. The President's Podcast, we book studio time. We started four times a semester and then we moved to five times this spring just because we had some extra budget. Partially because I took over the editing, right? I was like, I was like, I can do all the editing in house, and that saved us some money and allowed us to spend more time in the actual studio. We, I think we're still trying to figure out the cadence. Um, I certainly don't have the answer. Part of it is okay if there's something timely. Can we get this out now? Like we did, you know, our, our visit visit Milwaukee, our tourism podcast. I was like, we got to get this out before you know uh, Memorial Day. Uh, so it's timely, and that's what we did. In the We Are Marquette podcast, I had a goal of producing one a week for the whole semester. I think I I think I think did it – I'm trying to think if I did it fall semester. I at least did it spring semester where I did one, one a week. And I, I got most – I mostly stuck to that schedule. And that was just no reason other than like a personal sort of um, – uh, goal of like, if I can produce this stuff, you know, right on a regular schedule and and not fall out of the habit, I can, I can learn better. And also like, I'll keep it top of mind for people. Um, and then I took the summer off of producing those. Um, but we still recorded those, but I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, it's like, it's like anything in digital media, it never sleeps. So you could constantly (laughs) produce stuff or you could never produce stuff and you have to kind of figure out what's the happy medium. Of, um, of getting things out on a regular schedule, but I don't have, a, don't have a great answer to that yet.
0: Hey everyone, the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast is part of ConnectEDU, a podcast network bringing together brilliant minds in the higher ed space and breaking down silos. You can check it out at connectedu.network where you can find great shows no matter where you work on campus, as well as resources for first time and long time podcasters. You can also follow along on Twitter at connectedu_pod and hashtag connectedu. A lot of listeners will listen to the show, and if they're interested in podcasting, if they have plans to start a podcast, uh, you know. And honestly, listening to you, they may feel overwhelmed by all the options that they have and and everything that they're cap they could be capable of on campus. What would you recommend? How would you recommend that others maybe approach podcasts and getting started on their campus based on what you've learned through your own experiences at Marquette?
1: Oh man. Um, you know, I don't know if mine is the <laughs> the, the example to follow or not, but I will say like, you know, think about whose stories you you want to tell and who can you tell through audio. And because I think that's you got to think about that. Is like audio is the format and the medium is the message. So if you are, if you do want to tell one, like don't just do it because it's a hot new platform, but like what would be good storytelling through it? And I still want to do a better job of getting out in the field rather than just in a studio. And I'm still working on that. I have a portable recorder. I've recorded some stuff in the field, but man, it takes a lot more time to edit and to put together into a package. So maybe that's the next step. But, um, You know, I think about like, who are the people on your campus that have a good story to tell that you can really dig into as opposed to just like, oh, here's another platform. Let's throw some content on it. Um, But like, how can you use this platform and play to its strengths, which is really getting in depth in your conversations and in your content?
0: It's funny when, when I hear you talk about storytelling, right, and really taking advantage of the medium, you know, what is success for you for these podcasts? I mean, how are you proving to your stakeholders that these are worthy endeavors? And I imagine those are three very different conversations here.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of like sheer metrics, uh, I think one of the ways to show success is the reach of all of the content that comes from these podcasts. So it's not just the podcasts themselves. Um, You know, which get like a few hundred downloads, Uh, but it's like what you can do with all the pieces inside of it. Because if you have, you know, an hour's worth of content and you're not going to have 30,000 people listening to that hour's worth of content, at least what you can do is take some of the more compelling parts of it and parse them out into blog posts and into video snippets that then lead people back to try to get more subscribers over time. But then you can at least show metric-wise that, okay, only if you have a couple hundred downloads to start with, that you have 20,000 people who watch this video or got many, you know that many views on Facebook. Um, so I, I would say like in pure like just numerical success, like you can't just look at uh, what you start off with on podcasts because it's a slow burn. And it's going to take a long time to build an audience. And it's still we're still in the early stages of podcasting overall, even though that's growing really quickly. And I think home speakers is going to accelerate that. Uh, But the other side of things, you know, the anecdotal and um, kind of like impact metrics are what people are saying about the content you're getting out there, because it's fundamentally different than, you know, what they're used to seeing from you or from social media. So so those are the kind of things I also like to point to, like, you know, we had someone who joined the parents group and wanted to know more about engineering programs for her daughter. And I was like, you have to listen to our engineering dean's podcast. Like, she's phenomenal. And I think your daughter would really enjoy it if, like, this is what she's looking into. And uh, she wrote back and was like, I've already listened to that podcast. It really, um, my daughter loved it. I'm like, kidding me, right? That's amazing. So, of course, I sent that to my boss and, you know, take a look. Like, these things are having an impact. And. Um, Doesn't always show up. Those kind of things can't show up all the time in your raw numerical numbers, but you should also be collecting those stories about here's, here's something that had a big impact on a prospective student or an alum or a parent or whoever.
0: Yeah, that, that almost hints, you've hinted at the question that I wanted to ask Ness, which was, you talk about reach for these podcasts. How are you communicating internally with other departments, whether that is the alumni relations or the admissions team, to make sure that they're taking advantage of the content you're creating and making sure that they're reaching relevant audiences with those stories?
1: Yeah, I mean, that kind of goes back to your, um, you know, your 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 good old fashioned social media strategies. And so we use Sprout Social for social media management. We have 30 some different users and 70 some different accounts in there. So this week we had one well, of the podcasts I posted was, um, Dr. Sujin Choi from the co- uh, college of, um, health sciences. She's a biomedical sciences professor. And she talked about the science of overeating and it was really fascinating. And just a quick snippet of that is, um, she studies that there's two different parts of your brain that controls eating if you're hungry or eating for pleasure, and there's studies that show there are more than 300 distinct motivations about why we eat. I mean, think about it. You're like, oh yeah, I'm not eating this right now because I'm hungry. I'm eating because it it's in front of me, or it's like someone's snack, um, you know, that they brought to work, or it's cultural, or it's a holiday, or whatever. And um, and so she says, like, okay. We'll overeat even if we're hung, even if we're totally full because a different part of our brain tells us we should be eating this delicious dessert or whatever. There's always room for pie. Um, so what she's trying to she she got an award a sabbatical to um, work on a new treatment a new drug that affects one part of the brain but not the other. Because think about like if you have a drug that just suppresses all you know eating motivation like well now you know you you, you could you could literally starve to death. <laughs> so it's a tricky thing. You have to you have to treat one part of the brain but not another. But that was a fascinating thing. I was like, I'm getting this out there in a blog post, in the in video, and in a um, you know, in the podcast itself. And then I sent that to our communications person for the College of Health Sciences. And I was like, Can you put this on your Facebook page and get this out there? Which he did. And I was like, Do you also have any additional photos of this professor that I can use for the video? And then he sent me additional photos he did in a photo shoot a couple of years ago. Uh, so we worked very collaboratively there to promote uh, her podcast. And that goes for any, you know, podcast where It's someone from a different college or it's admissions or it's alumni, or I will send it through to different, you know, communication people around campus and be like, hey, this person's from your department, let's get this out there. And hopefully that helps start to build the audience as well.
0: Tim, when you talk about we have to source our guests, we have to record, uh, we have to edit, we have to uh, create a video or a blog or a social post, we have to share that social post with relevant communicators on campus. Have you ever measured or do you even have a guess at how much time you are spending per episode? And we'll use We Are Marquette as an example, you know, for from start to finish for, for one given episode.
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's hard. I mean, like the recording process is usually an hour, so that's more easy to um, measure. Edit process, you know, can be... Two to three hours, if you're, or maybe even more, if you're like looking at mine and my interns' um, process. And then there's of course booking it and organizing it and prepping for it and developing questions. Um, and there's promoting it. So uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. One single episode could take ten hours, you know, eight to ten hours or some something like that. And that's both my time and my interns' time, and you know, all of the, Not to mention like the person who's being interviewed. Um, so these are time consuming things, no doubt about it. And um, that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to bank things in the summer and try to get like a lot of recording and things ready to go. So like when the, you know, the fall gets super busy, uh, we, we have things stored and ready to go. But um, I'll say, you know, like part of the pleasure of that is like, uh, or, you know, one of the, the benefits of that is um, is just sitting back and being able, the luxury of like listening to someone talk and uh, really learning and editing. And you don't always get those deep dive projects in social media. Sometimes it's like, you know, you're, you're moving from one Instagram post to a Snapchat post to a Twitter post to a Facebook and like you're just all over the place and you're never able to sit with one project for long. And I think the, the luxury of a podcast, at least if you have this time and you're able to do it and you or at least you, you make the commitment to devote to it, is you really get to go in deep with people who are on your campus and the stories you want to tell. And, and I, after I, after I record my podcast, after I've heard it many times, cause I've been in the studio was recorded. I've edited it. I have posted it. I will then listen to it, you know? And I, um, and there's still things I'm like hearing it. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, like I didn't catch that the first time around how, you know, the in-depth part of, of, of what she's talking about now or something. So yeah, these are very time consuming, which which could be a turn off for some people. But for me, it's also like kind of the the cool thing because it's really a project you can sink your teeth into.
0: Tim, can you continue to scale this? Be, you know, are, you've know, you got three podcasts now. Are, are Any plans for, for new podcasts from Marquette in the future? Or is this, you feel like your limit from a bandwidth perspective?
1: So I actually do want to, I'm working on another one. Um, yeah, it was, I was thinking maybe like an offshoot. Um, but I, I think there's a point when you ask people to subscribe to too many things. So I think we're going to have a mini series inside the Marquette Milwaukee podcast. And, um, and it's about, it's, it's, I won't go into all the details, but essentially we're having almost like a shark tank type competition, um, on campus for a $250,000 prize, uh, for, um, uh, a new venture or a continued venture. And, uh, and so I'm going to have someone who's in charge of that challenge um, probably interview the people who are in that and sit down and do um, interviews, you know, to get to know all these contestants a little bit better um, or participants. Um, And initially I was really ambitious and thinking like, you know, we're going to go out in the field. We're going to like interview a lot of people with my portable recorder and put this all together And I just don't think that might be realistic with the demands of what's going on in the fall. I'm working full time and I'm also going to be teaching three classes (laughs) in the fall. Um, So I might, I'm thinking I'm like, you know, just being realistic, I'm going to scale that back a little bit and we'll probably, it'll be a little more traditional interview format um, as opposed to um, a lot of field reporting. So I would love to scale it some more. You know, having an, an intern has already helped me make this bigger than I thought it could be or do more than I thought we could. But I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, people ask the same thing about social media, you know, ten years ago. Like, how does this scale? Is this does this scale? And I think we're probably still asking those questions because in some ways it doesn't scale. You know, you're still human. Um, in other ways, like there's always just different opportunities. It's just it's just how you how you allocate your time and what what you want to devote, what resources
0: you want to devote to it. Hey everyone, a quick shout-out to the agency that makes this show possible, eCity Interactive. You know, I really do love coming to work every day at eCity, and that's not just because everyone shares my love of donuts. Uh, But that's really because I get to collaborate with a talented team working on everything from user experience to content and digital marketing, to web design and development, and a whole lot more. Our work has earned us an incredible roster of education clients, including the University of Pennsylvania, George Washington University, Petty School, Cornell, Drexel, Rutgers, and many others. So if you're looking to improve your web and digital presence and better communicate your school's story, visit us online at ecityinteractive.com and get in touch. Well, Tim Sajelski, you are honestly probably the busiest man in higher education. I appreciate you uh, carving out some time to, to join this show and, and talking about everything you've got going on uh, at Marquette University. So thank you so much for, for joining the podcast here today. Um, where can listeners find you online if they want to ask more questions about podcasting, the Marquette blog, how you're promoting, uh, what classes you're teaching, learn more about food science? Um, Where can people best reach you? I I don't think
1: I have, I I don't have the unified uh, social media handles, which is totally, I should totally do that. But um, it's pretty hard to find me um, with the same handle in different places. So probably just Google me. (laughs) (laughs) Last name is Um, C-I-G-E-L-S-K-E. But I'm also um, uh, on Twitter at Sigelsky, C-I-G-E-L-S-K-E. And I write a lot on Medium. So you can look for me on Medium.
0: Excellent. And of course, each week we ask our guests to give a social shout out to a colleague or an individual that deserves a little bit more recognition of their work. Um, Tim, who do you have in mind here today? This might be kind of
1: redundant, um, but I, I just listened to your new podcast with Todd Pritchard from um, the UW Alumni Foundation. And, uh, you know, he's literally just down the street from me, 90 miles away. Did not know all those things that they were doing there. And I think we have a pretty good relationship with UW Madison. They're digital people, but I didn't know all the things they were doing in the, the the ice cream truck through all 72 counties in Wisconsin. I'm like, we're in Wisconsin. Like, we didn't do that. <laughs> like, I want to go eat ice cream with alumni. Um, you know, around the state. So I would give a shout out to him and, and you for doing, uh, that episode. Um, because if people haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to it. And I'm like, ah, oh, those are some great ideas.
0: <laughs> well, excellent. Hey, Tim, once again, thank you so much for, for joining the hashtag higher Ed podcast. I can't wait to see what you've got with these podcasts. And, uh, you know, I follow you on medium, love everything you're doing. And like I said, uh, you're, you're incredibly busy. So I appreciate you taking the time and looking forward to seeing what you've got next.
1: All right, hey, it's great to be here. This is a really, really fun conversation. I'm always up for talking about podcasts with anyone.